Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Welcome to the Culture Classroom. In this episode, we're going to have some hometown flair from Mississippi, uh, Graham Eklund, who is at Jackson Prep and played at the University of North Carolina, has a story to tell you. We're going to go back into his playing days at prep and then went and played at North Carolina and then now is back coaching at his alma mater. They had just won the 2022 Football State Championship for 6A. And uh, Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I I want to thank you, one, for having me on and and then commend you as well for for all that you guys are doing, and 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 not only for your players, because you guys do an awesome job of that, and I can glean that from listening to some of your work, but for for coaches across the country, I think to benefit from more so maybe than your players, um, yeah. and then their players as well. Yeah. So well, we appreciate thank you that. Guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. appreciate it so much. Uh, you were a stud player at Jackson Prep, um, so there's kind of a two-part question to this. Um, mm-hmm. What drew you? just two athletics and then the second part why 39 <laughs> i get that, that that second question more than you might uh think but uh, i'll start with your first what what really drew me to sport and what drew me to competition and athletics in general i think began at an early age just with what i was around what my environment was and my both of my parents love college football and and my mom is a Auburn fan, diehard Auburn fan. My dad's an Ole Miss fan. So I grew up going to those games on the weekends and seeing the pageantry and the tradition and everything that was around, surrounded the sport of football. And I kind of fell in love then. And then when I started having opportunities to compete mm-hmm. and um, as an, at early ages, even if it was just a sack race or a, you know, a relay race or something like that. And I, you know, felt the thrill of competition. I think I was hooked from that moment in, uh, from that moment on. Um, and then to, to kind of segue into that, the, another part of it to me was kind of keeping it unglamorous. Mm. And so, you know, I loved sports for just the bare competitive nature. And there is a winner, there's a loser. You learn things from being a winner. You learn things from being a loser. And so, you know, when it came down to things that were frilly almost like a number um man it was during the middle of the basketball season when they picked numbers most of the time so i was knee deep into another sport and didn't <laughs> didn't get my say so as a sophomore i got 39 and, and kind of rode with it and made it tried to make it as cool as i could make it uh throughout my high school career yeah so let's talk about you playing at jackson prep you played for a legendary coach Ricky Black, uh, he was the national coach of the year, I think, when you played. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all went on an amazing run of winning. What was it like playing at Jackson Prep under a legendary coach like that? It was, it was a blessing. Um, and it was a blessing that it could have easily been taken for granted. I really think so. Um, and I'll say this, too. I, I, you know, I was a multiple sport athlete at Prep, so I, I was blessed with – other incredible coaches, you know, alongside Coach Black. And so there was a, just a community of uh, great leaders and people that were invested in, you know, you as a player and your future. Mm. Coach Black, um, one of his uh, non-negotiables is, is kind of how I put it, is attitude and effort. 
Uh, and those were the two words you'll see imprinted on our locker room to this day. Um, and that's what's kind of stuck with me the most. You know, do you bring great attitude to work every day? Do you bring great effort to practice when it's raining outside and it's a lot like it was today um, outside? And so <clears throat> Coach Black had been successful before me. Mm-hmm. And Coach Black, you know, taught players how to deal with success and how to strive for success and how to respond when things don't necessarily go to plan. So, you know, Coach Black carried me through my high school career, obviously being as being a player, but he's kind of come with me full circle um, to, to my coaching days. And uh, he was the, he was the first program that I was able to come in and coach for two years ago at prep. And um, man, uh, just a blessing. I'll I'll circle back to that word because it was a blessing as a player to learn from him and then to coach alongside of him as well. Yeah. So let's, let's fast forward from prep. And I believe you went to community college. Did you go to community That's college? Correct. That is correct. Um, refresh me on on which one you went to. So when it when my season uh, my senior season kind of ended up wrapped up, I went to Coach Black and said, "What would be a good next step? What would be a good ne- next move for me? I can't give up football quite yet. I'm not ready to give up that passion." And he said, "You know, you make good grades. You you're good in a locker room. You got great attitude and effort." Um, I think junior college will be better for you so you can continue to improve. Mm-hmm. And so we landed at Kapai Lincoln Community College down in Wesson, um, where I was coached by another fantastic coach, Coach Glenn Davis. Um, and I, I attribute a lot of my understanding people and knowing how to treat people and interact with people mm-hmm. to my time spent at Colin because that's about as unglamorous as you can get is, is down there in Wesson, the one stoplight town. And, and you're just trying to grind and, and play good football with, with the guys that you got in your locker room. So finding common ground with those dudes and just learning how learning people that that's what I kind of attribute my time at Colin. Yeah. To. And then fast forward. And I, this is one of the coolest things. There's pictures. I, I went and looked and found pictures. And when you went and played at North Carolina, which is, one, that's a beautiful place anyway when you go to Chapel Hill. Uh, tell us about that experience of getting to play Division One football. So I, I'm going back to – you told Coach Black, you, like, mm-hmm. I'm not done with football. Right. You go to a community college who's successful. You learn under a very successful coach in Glenn Davis. Now you go to UNC. Right. Paint that picture for us. So it, it's it's interesting because, you know – you don't just get somewhere. You don't just get to your next step on your own. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned throughout my my journey is that <clears throat> you've got to make relationships where you're at, and you got to build friendships and trust and respect with mm-hmm. with the people that are right here in front of you because they'll they'll end up being the ones, you know, pushing you to where you're going. And so I learned that again at at Colin. My coaches there were able to get the word out, send my film to, to different places and talk to coaches that they had contacts with. And so they were instrumental in helping me send my film and reach out to, to places like North Carolina. Um, it came about that, and they asked me, they said, you know, if it's the right school, but all they have is a, a walk-on opportunity or a preferred walk-on spot, would you do it? And I said, man, it'd have to be the right place, but you bet. Right. You know, if I can be in that locker room with a Division One football team, you know, I've been dreaming about that since I was this tall. Right. So, right. of course, um, North Carolina at Chapel Hill was that perfect place. 
it was it was that place I knew the minute that I got there. Um, it kind of pulled. It had you know good things from Ole Miss that I, I I had growing up and going to games there, and Auburn, and just all the things that I love. Not to mention it's a it's a killer academic institution. Yeah, so yeah, um, I knew I would be okay pick, choosing North Carolina. Um, right. But I, I also have to I have to look back and say you know. I wouldn't have gotten there if it wouldn't have been for my relationships with with coaches like Glenn Davis, coaches like Coach Ricky Joe Black, and, and all their other coaches that surrounded them. You got to tell us what number you wore there because it's really cool too. <laughs> so this is this is interesting. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time-saving features to eliminate the busy work, so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, and plays for you to begin building your 2022 playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw. The the life that comes with being a preferred walk-on is is a fun and interesting life. So right when I got there, I got my, my jersey choice and it was 23. And so I had 23 for about maybe a month. Which, hold on right there. If you're listening to this, he's at UNC Chapel Hill. He gets to wear 23. Those that I think that are in our generation, uh, Michael Jordan comes to mind, right? But you're playing the other sport, you know, it's on the gridiron. You're not on the court. But 23 is a pretty famous number. It's synonymous. It's like 18 at Ole Miss. Absolutely. So, so I was 23 for a spring when I was going through spring training with those guys. I actually came in uh, halfway through the school year. So I transferred after two seasons at Colin, which would have put me at Chapel Hill in January of 2018. Um, and so I'm right in the middle of training and workouts and, and all that good stuff. And so I was introduced really early on to, to the difference in D1 football and, and, some good old Colin uh, football, but um, kind of going back to your to your number question, I I, I went from twenty three to twenty, and then um, from there, I think they figured out that in high school I was thirty nine, and and the equipment manager came up to me and said, "You were thirty nine in high school, weren't you?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Well, I got your new number here." And he held it up and showed it to me, oh, and wow. it was thirty nine. So wow. I, you know. To, to have the number come full circle with me was another proud moment. Yeah. Well, I want to get into uh, your successes because you, people that are listening, um, he played at Jackson Prep. He was a stud at Jackson <laughs> Prep. Um, I just remember watching film on you and like this guy, how, how are we going to get past this guy? You were all over the place. Um, you're one of those, if, if like high school coaches had to rank other high school kids, you'd be a five-star, right? <sighs> so... <laughs> Let's talk about, and, and the common word that you've said among this whole interview is relationships. And that's a big piece, I think, in any organization is the relationships that you built uh, just from your boss, from coworkers to peers to even the custodians, right? Exactly. Um, so let's talk about success. And say you as a leader, because now you're full circle, you're back at Jackson Prep Coaching. Um, this is your second year back. This will be my. This will be last year was my third. Okay. So I've spent one with Coach Black, one middle year, and then this last year. Okay. So let's go to let's talk because this is going to be interesting. You played for Coach Black. Now you're coaching for Coach Black. 
How did that balance go and how did the relationship shift from coach player to coach coach? How that, how did that plan out? Well, um, coach black is, is an interesting man to, to sit down and talk to as a player because as a player, you, you're not quite smart enough and you're not quite mature enough to pick up on some of the cues that he's trying to drop for you. And he's not very, um, he's not very obvious what he's trying, when he's trying to tell you something or help you learn a lesson. He's almost Jedi mind. <laughs> <trick>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as a coach, I've seen different ways of co- different styles of coaching. I've been luckily lucky enough during my playing career to see all different styles of coaching. And so going through all of those different styles and then circling on back to coach black, he just had a way of getting into your mind space. He could, Mm -hmm. he could break down the barriers and somehow get into the mind of a 17 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's, he's able to do that with his coaches as well. And so, you know, when I started coaching for him and, and I would spend time with him, the lessons that I'd learn would be, maybe less, you know, cover two and cover four and blitz schemes and stunts and all this. But man, it was a lot of, if a, if a player is hurting like this, this is what you need to treat him like. Or if a player is struggling with this or X, this is how you react, or this is how you show them that you care, you know, things like that. So um, coach black as a player was one thing, helped me get, helped me with my journey through playing the sport of football. Mm-hmm. But as a coach, Man, he is he has left me with some some valuable skills. Yeah. You know, to, to really handle and deal with children. I think that's big with program alignment and I think coaches all today are dealing with how do I care for the senior like I do for the freshman right. and the freshman right. to the sixth grader, right? And how that alignment looks and, and just hearing that Coach Black cared, you know, and coaching against him for the last twelve years while I was here at MRA. It's just, you know, seeing him interact and like junior high games, you'd catch the end of Thursday's practice and he was he was the yeah. same person. So yeah. I want to talk about success within the program now because uh, okay. y'all have made some changes. You have more of a role. You handle all the defensive backs, um, which is really cool, right? You, yeah. That's full circle again. Absolutely. Um, Were that your guys? Um, and – kind of a weird situation now that I coach the receivers <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> after our game <laughs> after our game I was like man the ARB was just grounded he's like what and I just messing with our kids our, our freshmen they're like what do you mean grounded I was like we didn't play worth a darn and uh, that's a testament to you guys and then how you get them to play but a big piece of that goes way before the Friday night lights um, so how do you define success within your position group Instead of the whole okay. team and breaking all that down, because there's a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast that are mm-hmm. position group, they're quarterback coaches, they're running back coaches, they're DBs, they're O line, D line, they're all that. How do you are? How do you mold, shape, define success within your defensive backs? So, one of the very first things that I, I decided to do this year, and it's something that I <clears throat> did a little differently, and it's it's something that I think worked, is that that very first day of spring practice when they came out and and everybody is jumping up and down it's the first time they put the pads on in months you know maybe the the do the the cold is starting to go away starting to warm up a little bit 
Um, and they have just an awesome first day of practice. The energy is, you know, contagious. Everybody feels it. Everybody, the pads are popping, all that good stuff. I'll look at them after that practice and I'll say, okay, guys, you just set, you just set the standard. You set the standard for, you know, the attitude you bring to practice, the type of effort you give, how invested you are when you're out here, how present you are. Um, and so to me, I think if you, as a coach, can motivate your guys because I think if they're if you're hammering them to come meet the standard every day at practice, mm. then they'll get burnt burnt out and you'll have burnout. But if you can find a way to say, man, I'm in this with you guys and I'm right here with you and we're gonna meet this standard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, and you can somehow establish a a habit inside mm. of them to come to mm. practice ready mm. to work with that mm. same attitude and effort when they set that standard on you know, March 20th, whatever day it was during spring. Right. Um, and, and I'll, I'll give you another quote. Cause I, we have this on the back of one of our t-shirts here and I'll show you. And this was, this was a t-shirt that we had when I was ninth grade coming up at prep. And I think this is a coach black, uh, quote to a T. And so mm -hmm. I'll read it for you. It says, victory or defeat is not determined at the moment of crisis but rather in the long and unspectacular period of preparation. And so I think that quote and, and setting a standard early on will give you the outcome of success. You know, I don't, I don't love the idea of chasing success, chasing a title, chasing a trophy. You know, I don't love that, that kind of idea, but if you can chase, the standard that you brought to, to whatever it is, you know, class, doing your homework, going to, you know, do something for someone else. I think if you achieve that standard every day, the success will come. Yeah. Success will come. Coach Troy and I talk about this all the time. And uh, JT, if you want to chime in, you can. But we talk about surrender the outcome mm -hmm. and how that's one of the things, like if you chase the ring, you chase the blue trophy, you chase, I mean, it's, it's like if it's a program that's built on just only just winning, then it's just built on sinking sand because it's not sustainable. Um, so what you're saying, like almost, JT, we talked about this earlier in the week, best is the standard. Whatever you set best as is the standard. No, I just think that, like, you hit on one thing that I think I've been diving in and doing a lot of work on myself, trying to understand better. And that's, we've talked about the standard and best is the standard. Your job as a leader is to raise the standard and you want to meet the standard. But like, I think what people get confused with the standard is it's easy to say best is the standard until it's time to actually do it. And that needs to be done on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe just walk us through that. And like, what was the standard like for you? Or what's the standard like for you on a daily basis? How do you define what you do with your athletes? daily sure uh, i think uh consistency is key you know i think if if they expect what is coming when they show up to practice they know we're going to do this footwork drill for this x amount of time you know we'll do a competitive drill after we do our footwork yeah. um and then it's on to our teams and our seven on sevens and all of that mm -hmm. but i think if you keep you know your practice is consistent you're not throwing them curveballs so they know what to expect and they know that, you know, we only expect your best and anything less 
than your best will will ask you what's wrong because right. this is unusual, right? Um, yeah. And I think if that's just non-negotiable, I think if they see you attacking a practice and you attack it every single day with the same enthusiasm and the same intensity, then they'll follow suit. I think a lot of, you know, it's said all the time that, you know, you're in a position where eyes are always on you and, and choices are being made based on your actions. And I think, you know, developing a team that understands success starts, you know, with a, with a coach who is, who is committed one to, to Cohen showing up every day and two uh, committed to show up with some intensity and some, some good attitude. Yeah. If you will. I, yeah. I think that's big that when you start looking at, the two simple words, attitude and effort. Um, when you start looking at just those two and then you start encompassing like how I go is how my position group goes. Maybe how I go is how blitz pickup goes. And we've said before, like you can't really have bad days. You can have tough days, but sometimes you got to hide those tough days. And when you walk on the practice field, they have to be, be gone because sometimes they'll, they'll start gravitating to it. And uh, another thing we've talked, like JT and I have talked about, and my wife and I even talked about this, about being intentional and how that word is overused and underutilized. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you'll say, I'm being intentional with this driller, that driller, this relationship. When it's easy to roll off the tongue, but it's underutilized as making that happen. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you this. How do you build relationships intentional relationships, if you will, uh, with those players, knowing that you've worn the jersey before them. So you have an extra leg up on them, if you will, because we all want to care more about the jersey. I mean, the kid inside the jersey and the number's on the back. But you've worn the, the red helmet. You've worn the red jersey, the blue jersey, you know, at home. You know what that feels like. You know what the championships feel like. How do you build those relationships, those core relationships with those guys? I definitely think that having worn the jersey and having worn the the helmet and, and been in having been in their shoes is gives me a leg up in that mm-hmm. field. You know, I'm already almost into the into their minds a little bit and I know where what they're thinking and, and when they're thinking it for the most part. Yeah. Uh, you know, being intentional with with players is something that I had to learn. Uh, it's something that didn't just come right away. Um, you know, when you got five different players asking you five different questions, it's difficult to say, okay, you four hold on and then focus all of your effort and all of your intention and focus right into one, one question. Um, so I've had to work on that a little bit. I, I, I know for one that my, my biggest, um, asset is is um putting their question and their fears and their doubts mm-hmm. at ease mm-hmm. i think that's something that I, i've i've only gotten better at doing um because i've had so much practice this these last three years but you know in football and in sports in general there's a lot of doubt right. that'll creep in right you know uh especially when that first thing doesn't go go to plan And so being that comforting, Hey, I'm gonna put my arm around you. I'm gonna say, we've been here before. You know what I mean? You, it's okay. Teams have been down 14 to nothing at halftime before, or, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, 
and making them feel, making that kid feel like his doubt and his worry is the only thing that's important to me in that moment. Yeah. You know, if I can convey that that kid is the only thing on my mind right then, then I think I've, I've done a decently good job. Yeah, you have to be approach. I, th- I would think you're approachable more because mm-hmm. you played there. Um, that they feel comfortable asking you questions of, "Hey, when y'all were in this situation, and what y'all, what did you do in this situation?" Right. And you and you have the college experience. Um, right. You say what you want. I mean, if you played football in high school or college, whatever. When kids hear that you're coaching and you've played in college, I mean, Coach Tory's coaching the NFL. You have an extra, the words clout, I guess you could say. Uh, of, yeah. hey, I, I've done this, and they look at you differently uh, in today's society. So mm-hmm. I'm going to finish up with this before our time gets away from us. And um, it's kind of a tough question because you have to reflect back on yourself and you get to brag on yourself a little bit, I think. But we talk about John Gordon's tra- carrying trademark, but I want to ask you this one more than just your carrying trademark. What makes you different than any leader in your position as a DB coach um, at Jackson Prep? So I'll answer this, and I'll kind of just tie it in with my my Karen trademark because I loved – I listened to the podcast oh. on Karen trademarks <laughs> with Coach Land. Yeah. And I can tell you guys this. I'm, I'm definitely not wearing old girdles on Friday nights at <laughs> <laughs> the ball game. Uh, I don't know when Coach Land started that, but I'll, I'll have to ask him about it. He, <laughs> coach Land was my my receivers coach in high school, um, and and I've loved getting to coach against him these these last few seasons. That's been a lot of fun. So, no no old old girdles, but I, I will go into a couple that I I do and 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 love. Yeah. One is circle drill, and I'll kind of define this and explain this and is simple uh, a way as I can, but every player on the football team, this is something we did with coach black is every player on the football team will get in a gigantic circle, just single file circle. Uh, and we'll start with one person with one ball and he'll toss that ball to the next guy in line. And then someone will run out and catch the ball from the guy that it got thrown to. And it'll go all the way down the circle. If you drop the ball or if you go in the wrong order, start the whole thing over. And so you know, there were many afternoons in, as a 10th grader and 11th grader where we we're spending a whole hour after practice just trying to finish circle drill. Uh, and people are getting upset. Why do we do this? This is, you know, this has nothing to do with football, but there's one of Coach Black's Jedi mind tricks again on you. You know, it teaches you things like, yeah. you know, are you accountable? Can you literally not drop the ball? Wow. Um, and then how do you respond to your teammates when they're not successful? So I think circle drill is something I've tried to bring back and and teach the benefits of to my kids. And that's one of our caring trademarks, I think, at least for me. Another one is uh, I let my beard grow out this year. And so I kind of uh, I let the beard go as long as the season went. So I kind of had that as a mark of time and time spent together. And that developed into a deal with our kids that if we were successful at the end of the year or we made the state championship and won, that, that I would shave it completely off and uh, we were, and I shaved it the next day and sent them pictures, and they loved that. So those are two caring trademarks that, that I've got, and I think I'll continue using. Those were pretty successful this year at least. Yeah. Um, but on to your, your question about what makes me different, and I'm, I'm going to go back to this word, but I, I really think that if you can prove to your your players, if you can prove to the group of people that you are assigned to, 
that you are first and foremost there for them and that you are there for their success. You don't, you've had success. You, you're not doing this, you know, I'm not doing this for me anymore. I've got, I've got the stuff on the walls. I've, I've had my fun, you know, now I'm purely here to see you guys success, be successful because mm-hmm. I think that'll bring me some, some joy and satisfaction watching guys that were like me and that I was, you know, in the same shoes as I was in, um, getting to feel the same emotions and joys that I felt. And so, you know, empathy that I think that's, that's what I would hope could separate me at least from a few, few coaches. Yeah. Empathy. Um, so say tomorrow you hang the whistle up Mm -hmm. and you have three seasons, four seasons, or even say, let's go 10 seasons down the road and you hang up the whistle, you go do something else. Mm-hmm. What legacy do you want to leave for the guys? You know, I, I I said this when I graduated from University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. They they had a every graduate write and and tell what you wanted to be remembered for. And it may sound cliche or, or corny or whatever, but I wrote my heart. Um, and so you know, I want my legacy to be, you know, that dude had a fierce heart for the game of football. If you've ever seen me on the sidelines, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a lot like yourself. You know, it's hard to contain the the fire when it's, when it's burning. Yeah. And so, man, that guy had a heart for football. He had a heart for kids. And, and he really wanted to see people that he saw himself in be successful. Yeah. And I think that if that was the legacy for me, I'd be a, I'd be a happy man. Awesome. Well, I can get behind that, and I love that last little bit about the heart because my brother-in-law is a doctor, and uh, I tell him that if he ever has to do, like, open-heart surgery on me, he's going to cut through a lot of pigs to get to that heart. So uh, I, love I it. really – your, your uh, legacy resonates with me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think I, I speak for all of us that that football – and Coach Troy, I'm sorry. Football in the South is, is king. Uh, in the Midwest, um, if you're a Nebraska fan, it's kind of tough right now because you've had three different coaches, Coach Tory. Um, uh, it's been a tough two decades. <laughs> two decades, that's right. But it, it's so refreshing to hear younger coaches in the game still caring and understanding what it's all about. And it's about those kids. Uh, it's about bringing passion back to the game and, and what you said about the heart and and, and containing yourself on the sideline because I would see us catch a ball and then I'd see Micah intercepting three balls and I'm like, and just after the game. Um, and that's what I love about it. Like when I think going back to, to how we create the synergy within the unit uh, kind of brings that. So how you go is how the position group goes. And as long as you were coaching the DBs at Jackson Prep, y'all are gonna be damn good. Y'all gonna be damn good uh, because Thank one, you. One, you've worn the jersey and you know the standard, and uh, you've set the standard as a high, high bar. Uh, so proud to call you friend, proud to call you um, a coach that cares about kids and yeah, understand what it's really about. I appreciate that. Another thing that, that you guys had on your list that I, I really loved was how do you build relationships among coaches? And that that was something that has been another learning curve for me 
you know, with the last three years that Jackson Prep has had three different head coaches in three years, um, learning how to come together as a in a leadership role mm-hmm. and in a room of leaders to then set forth and try to motivate young men has been challenging. I've grown um, and I've learned a lot. So, you know, I think another thing is if you are congenial with your coworkers, with your other coaches and they see you hugging on each other and loving on each other and joking and laughing, it'll transfer just like most things. So. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. I think you have to be a cohesive, a cohesive unit because you said earlier in the podcast, little eyes are watching. They're watching everything that you do. Always. Uh, and if, if they see animosity, well, they're like, well, the coaching staff's not on. So, um, Graham, that's going to yeah. do it for our time. And, uh, we're going to have to get you back on. Um, I want to yeah. hear, because I'm pretty sure you're going to do some track stuff. Yep. Yep. And, we'll uh, do track. So we'll, we'll be seeing each other. That's it. It may be on a different field. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we're, I'm going to love to get you back on and just outline some more stuff. Uh, but this has been great. And once again, thanks for taking time out of your schedule and uh, joining us. Thank you for joining Graham and JT and myself for this episode of The Culture Classroom.